I want to know who I'm voting for because this is important for our future, right? The polls will be closed in about two hours and the ballot counting will begin. People throughout the GTA and across the province have been voting for their mayors, councillors and trustees today. And CTVs will have it all for you. Good evening. We'll have extensive coverage of the election tonight, including Siobhan Morris, who's focusing on the race for mayor in Brampton, Raheem Ladani in Vaughan, where Stephen Del Duca is vying for the top job in that city. And Beth McDonnell at Ward 21 Scarborough Center, where incumbent Michael Thompson is in a fight for his seat. But we begin with the race for mayor in the country's biggest city and CTV's Austin Delaney. Austin. <clears throat> Yeah, John Tory up this morning, 10 o'clock at the voting station, casting his ballot for mayor. He's hoping to get a third term as mayor of Toronto. If he does, that's 12 years. He'll be the longest-serving mayor ever in Toronto. This morning, John Tory cast his ballot just as the polls opened. One of the nice ladies I ran into there asked me if I voted for myself, and I said, sure did. <laughs> there are 31 candidates hoping to unseat Tory. His main competitor, Gil Penalosa who rode his bicycle to the polling station. I'm very optimistic. I think that the citizens have two very different options. Penalosa ran on a campaign of change, calling for a renovation revolution to allow multiple units in what are now single-family dwellings. His solution to the affordable housing crisis. I have very clearly defined how we can become more affordable more equitable and more sustainable, creating a city for everyone. The candidates will have their work cut out for them getting the vote out. Advanced polls have shown voter apathy this election, but at this polling station, voters say it is one's duty to vote. I think it's hard for young people to feel educated because they have to do a lot of the research themselves. Oh, look at the number of candidates for mayor, you know. In what way? There's way too many. How could I have an informed vote? So I vote for who I know. I think if they engage with this thing emotionally, there ought not be any apathy. I don't, don't really know why anyone would be apathetic about an opportunity to have an essential role in how your city is managed. The new mayor will have a very different-looking council with eight of the city's 25 wards not featuring incumbents. I'm happy when there are new faces on council, not because I didn't get along with the people who were there before, but I just think renewal is a good thing, and it happens on a gradual basis, uh, election to election. And, you know, the bad news is that we have some people with great experience that have left. The good news is we've got some new people with fresh ideas. Penalosa hoping his fresh ideas will translate into the keys to the mayor's office. I think that I have raised a lot of issues that had not been raised for a 12 years before. Tory says he can work with anyone who wants to work with him. And the mayor told me this morning that if successful, if he's given a third mandate, it will be his last as mayor. He says, if you can't get it all done in 12 years, you can't get it done. We're live. I'm Austin Delaney. Thank you, Austin. Here's a brief look at some of the candidates seeking to replace Tory as mayor. Chloe Brown's campaign is largely focused on affordable housing and transit. Those are priorities, too, for Sarah Clemenhagen, who also wants more public spaces. Stephen Punwazi says there is a feeling of hopelessness in the city because of business closures, corruption, and communities not feeling as safe anymore. Jack Yan is also promising change, focusing on such issues as homelessness, crime, and housing. Turning west of the GTA now into what some are expecting to be a tight battle for the mayor of Brampton. Incumbent Patrick Brown's been fending off a slew of challengers and controversies in his bid for a second term. Our Siobhan Morris is at Brown's headquarters and joins us now. Siobhan. 
Well, Nathan, they're playing the Bee Gees staying alive here at Patrick Brown's headquarters. Brown definitely hoping to keep his career in Brampton as mayor alive tonight after a really challenging campaign. Sunday morning for an election. Patrick Brown strides into his local polling station seeking a second term as mayor. I think we've run a positive campaign over the last uh, uh, two months, articulating what we would uh, do for uh, the city of Brampton in the next term. Brown won in 2018 with 44 percent voter support. He's hoping to get a stronger endorsement this time for himself and for more allies on what has been a split council. I really believe we can achieve so much more for our city um, if we have a large majority around the council table that shares um, uh, the same ambitious, optimistic, positive view. Hoping to spoil Brown's party is Nikki Kaur, a former planning director for the city. This city resonates everything to me. To Patrick, he's just visiting and he's using us to revive his political career. Brown has accused Kaur of fighting dirty. Some of her jabs are familiar. The Patrick Brown Grady train has been chugging along, handing out contracts to his friends. In Coors Corner is the man who used a promise to end the gravy train in Toronto to catapult Rob Ford to the mayor's chair. Nick Kuvalis is also behind successful campaigns for John Tory and Doug Ford. It's not mudslinging. We're asking for an explanation, really. And if we could get that, we'd stop. Brown's been accused of being absent while running for the leadership of the federal conservatives, misusing city resources for that campaign, and showing favoritism on city contracts. Brown denies wrongdoing. I've got confidence in, in our residents. They don't fall for dirty tricks. They don't uh, fall for uh, misinformation. Optimistic he'll get another chance to lead the city. Something of a wild card in this race and the way it turns out is the fact that Election Day falls on Diwali. And when elect, that might mean that election turnout is a little lower. And when the turnout is low, well, that can favor the incumbent. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Siobhan. And our election coverage continues online. From information on where to vote, the candidates running, and the results as they come in, head to our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. And CP24 will have full coverage of the municipal elections as part of the election night special, Your Vote 2022. You can catch the special starting at 7 p.m. on CP24, cp24.com, and on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. And CTV News Toronto will also be following the election. You want to join us later at 11.30 tonight for a full wrap of today's events and, of course, all the results. And we'll have more on the race in just a moment, but first a live look at the city tonight. Another beautiful, sunny day. Candidates hoping it'll translate into a higher voter turnout. Most people are hoping the warm weather will stick around for a bit longer. I'm one of them. Lindsay Morrison's here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay. Well, I'm one of them too, Nathan, and it does appear as though the warm weather will be sticking around. We'll have a little less in the way of sunshine tomorrow, but with temperatures like this, don't think too many people will be complaining. Good evening to you in Oshawa, Pickering, as well as Toronto, Mississauga, Brampton. It is still 18 degrees at this hour. It's 20 right now in Shelburne, Ontario. Here's a look at the satellite and radar. We've had a blue sky day. Sun is now setting Cloud cover is starting to increase from the west, and we'll see a little more of that tomorrow. A happy Diwali to everyone celebrating today and tonight. Here's your evening at a glance. An increase in cloud cover, but remaining mild over the next couple of days. We have some rain in the forecast. I'll show you which day you will need the umbrella coming up in your forecast. Thank you so much. Hey, Matt. Hey, Andrea, happy birthday. Nice to see you. Thank you.
told not to sing. Former NDP leader Andrea Horvath is attempting to start a new chapter in her political career. She launched her bid for mayor after the last provincial election. There are nine candidates on the ballot for the mayor's race there, including former Hamilton Chamber of Commerce President Keenan Loomis. Advanced voting was significantly up this year compared with the last two municipal elections. And one of Horvath's opponents in the last provincial election is also taking their chances on a top municipal job. Former Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca is running to be the new mayor of Vaughan. It could be a close race, though, with recent polls suggesting there are quite a few undecideds. CTV's Raheem Ladani is live in Vaughan tonight with more. Raheem. Well, Michelle and Nathan, we are here at York Hill Elementary School. This is one of the polling stations where there have actually been some administrative technical difficulties throughout the day. Now, because of that, this polling station, along with 25 others in the city of Vaughan where there have been similar challenges, they're all staying open until either 9 or even 10 p.m. to allow every voter to get here and cast their ballot. Now, this is a very important election for the city of Vaughan because by the end of tonight, the city will have a new mayor. Making her final pitch to voters on Election Day, Sandra Young-Rocco is looking to secure enough votes to be the next mayor of Vaughan. Even to today, we're out there pulling votes out and, and knocking on doors, talking to people. Young-Rocco knows Vaughn well. She's been on city council for nearly two decades. She was chair of the Spadina-York Subway Extension Committee and pledges to deliver value for dollar to the taxpayers. That they actually get the value back through the services, whether it's uh, garbage pickup or, or uh, snow removal or uh, community programs. There is a total of seven candidates running in Vaughan's mayoral race. None have more name recognition than Stephen Del Duca, who cast his ballot in Woodbridge this morning. Our campaign team has worked really hard with a positive and upbeat and forward-looking message about stability and experience. And I've heard really good feedback from the community. So I'm hopeful, but we're going to work right down to the wire. Del Duca is seeking a political comeback after resigning as Ontario Liberal leader earlier this year when he failed to win party status or win his own legislative seat. The longtime Vaughan resident has the endorsement of outgoing Mayor Maurizio Bevilacqua and says his top priority is addressing traffic gridlock. With my background as a transportation minister, former transportation minister, and someone who's lived here in Vaughan for more than 30 years, I think I have the right set of skills to do a good job. Del Duca has downplayed his lack of experience at the municipal level, even calling it an asset. But young Rocco views this political ring differently. It's both provincial and federal, they're behind a party line. Party tells them what to do, party tells them what to say and so forth. Whereas here, you're accountable for what you have to do, you're accountable for your own decision. And soon, a new mayor will be accountable to the residents of Vaughan. Now, to give you a better sense of voter engagement here in the city of Vaughan, during the 2018 election, around 6,000 advanced ballot votes were cast. This time around, the city opened up to online voting, and 36,000 individuals cast their ballot ahead of today's election. Reporting live, I'm Raheem Ladani. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Raheem. Returning to Toronto and the controversy surrounding the race in Scarborough Centre. Longtime councillor and incumbent Michael Thompson is running once again, despite a pair of sexual assault charges that were filed against him last month. CTV's Beth McDonnell is on this story and joins us now. Beth. 
Nathan, Michael Thompson's campaign tells me they're feeling very positive and are expecting him to win tonight. I'm where his supporters will be gathering tonight. Thompson has won the past five elections as city councillor and in 2018 he won by a large margin. But this time he is facing some legal troubles and some competition. I think as a world-class city, council needs to set direction. As city councillor for the past 19 years, Michael Thompson was widely expected to keep his Scarborough Centre seat. Now he's running for re-election in the wake of sexual assault allegations, not tested in court and which his former lawyer says he plans to vigorously defend. Films and television industry. Thompson was the sole black member on council and is going up against five other candidates. Visible minorities make up 70% of the population in the ward. Having diverse representation at City Hall is one of the issues. I think it's, it's important to have someone who is reflective of the people who are living here. That the councillors, the mayor, the, these people listen. Like there's people out there that are struggling. There are going to be a lot of renovation in the Golden Man area. So projects are being under approval now. Voters say they are also concerned about safety and creating more community connections. Some of the candidates running against Thompson, a social justice activist, a construction management consultant and a real estate agent. I'm told Michael Thompson is expected to be here after the polls close. Reporting live in Scarborough, I'm Beth McDonnell. All right, thank you, Beth. Another race facing some controversy is the council seat in Scarborough North. Following the sudden passing Friday of incumbent Cynthia Lai, some of her supporters are calling for the results to be declared void and replaced with a by-election. Here's our Mike Walker to explain. At polling stations in Scarborough North, signage alerting voters that City Councillor Cynthia Lai is no longer a candidate following her death last week, prompting some to reconsider their vote. We picked the next one that we think would be beneficial, like work hard in our community. But Lai's name is still on the ballot, along with three other candidates. Some people are choosing to vote for her regardless. It's already there, and it's like automatic it. It's for her. The city says it's too late to remove Lai's name from the ballot because they have already been printed, stating any votes casted for Lai on election day at the advance polls and by mail-in ballot will not be counted. Instead, whoever gets the most votes among the other candidates will be declared the winner. Don't like the idea, you know, because the second one may not be the right one for the community. At Lai's campaign office, supporters are signing a book of condolence. Some expressing frustration their vote won't count. To me, it would have spoken of the community's thoughts and actions for her. I was hoping there would be a by-election. People still have the right to vote the way they want to vote. Lai's campaign manager is calling for a by-election, arguing the system is flawed. The people's will should supersede every other thing. We are living in a democratic society. If the person is not capable to do the, his or her duties, at that point, there should be a by-election. The city points to a section of the Municipal Elections Act that states an election will go ahead. If a certified candidate for an office dies and another candidate would not be elected by acclamation as a result, then the election shall proceed as if the candidate had not been nominated. Voters in War 23 have mixed feelings about calls for a by-election. If the election is being done by the book, then I don't think there should be. I know it costs money, but this is, it should, to be fair to the community, who they want to choose. 
The city says there are no provisions in the municipal act to allow voters to change their vote. Lai's campaign team intends on pushing for a by-election in the days following her funeral. Mike Walker, CTV News. There are a number of Toronto Council seats not being contested by incumbents tonight, including University Rosedale, where longtime vet Mike Layton vacated to spend more time with his family. CTV's Janice Golding is there tonight with more on that race. Janice. Hi, Michelle. There are seven open races in Toronto tonight, which means there is no incumbent seeking re-election. And that makes for a much more interesting race, given incumbents usually have a huge advantage due to name recognition alone. However, here in University Rosedale, it's a clean slate. Twelve candidates vying for a shot at office. Ward 11 University Rosedale covers a large swath of downtown Toronto. The Annex, Yorkville, Little Italy, Rosedale and the University of Toronto campus. It's an expansive area with 104,000 residents and no sitting incumbent. In July, Mike Layden announced he'd be stepping down after 12 years in office. And what followed, a highly contested race. Twelve candidates on the ballot, several of them high-profile contenders who are being pressed to address area voters' most immediate concerns. It's all about the environment. Uh, with everything that's been happening in the world, I mean, climate change, number one priority for me. I feel like safety in the neighborhood is a big one. We're in the annex right now. I'd like to see the annex stay the annex, not get as built up as the rest of the city. Environmental issues. Housing. The economy. <laughs> Inflation. Well, I, I know the most is the homelessness situation uh, for younger people. The three best-known candidates, Norm DePasquale, who says he's the candidate officially endorsed by the outgoing councillor. A Toronto Catholic District School Board trustee who calls himself a consensus builder who wants to make the city more affordable, livable, and wants to protect parks and public spaces as well as the environment. He's up against Robin Buxton-Potts, the current interim councillor for Ward 13, who filled the vacancy left by Kristen Wong-Tam when she stepped into provincial politics. Buxton Potts was Wong Tam's chief of staff and says she has first-hand experience at City Hall. Her key issues? Fighting climate change, making transit more reliable, revitalizing parks and green spaces and creating more affordable housing. Another star candidate, Diane Sachs, who's on leave as the deputy leader of the Green Party of Ontario. The environmental lawyer, who once served as the environmental commissioner of Ontario, says she's focused on combating the climate crisis and wants to address housing affordability, aging infrastructure and the livability of the city. She also wants more accountability at City Hall. So as you've heard, all three main candidates say fighting climate change as well as housing affordability are key issues for them and we'll soon learn whose messaging and campaign most impressed and resonated with voters in the area. Reporting live, I'm Janice Golding. Now back to Nathan. All right. Thank you, Janice. And here's a look at some of the numbers when it comes to today's election. There are 417 municipal races to fill council seats across the province. In all, there are 6,306 candidates running. 548 positions were acclaimed, meaning there was only one candidate running. The voter turnout for the last municipal election in 2018 was 38.3%. That was the lowest among municipal election turnouts recorded since 1982. In other news, police are investigating a shooting in Scarborough this afternoon. The CTV News Chopper was over the scene near a mall in the Warden Avenue and Finch Avenue East area. Officers arrived around 3 o'clock to find a man who had been wounded. He was taken to hospital in serious but non-life-threatening condition. No suspect information has been released, but people are being urged to use caution in the area.
It looks like Ontario's premier will testify after all at the inquiry into the use of the Emergencies Act. The commission has summoned Doug Ford and former Solicitor General Sylvia Jones to take the stand as witnesses. The second week of hearings began today with testimony from the man in charge of intelligence during last winter's protest in the nation's capital. CTV's Judy Trin reports. During the Freedom Convoy, Interim Ottawa Police Chief Steve Bell was responsible for the three I's, information, intelligence and investigation. The information he gathered was used to plan the police response to the protest. What the Commission heard today was that Steve Bell did not read the risk assessments provided by Ontario Provincial Police until January 27th, the day before the trucks rolled into town. The OPP risk assessment on that day talked about protesters threatening we've got guns and we'll use it and that Americans were also going to join the protest and that millions have been raised to support the Freedom Convoy. Bell was asked why the OPS response didn't seem to reflect the intelligence reports. He responded the information gathered up to that moment showed that protesters were mainly middle class law abiding citizens who were going to leave in a few days. Their behavior as it's described within the uh, within the intelligence reports and, and reports we had back was that they were extremely lawful. Bell also said he had confidence in the police liaison teams who were negotiating with protesters. He said it was his preference to negotiate before enforcement. There probably could not have been a more complex and challenging environment for our PLT members to work in. And I can tell you they came into work every single day with the absolute best intention to get this resolved peacefully. Earlier today, the Commission issued a summons for Premier Doug Ford and former Solicitor General Sylvia Jones to appear at this hearing. In an email, the Ministry of the Attorney General says that they're initiating a judicial review and claiming parliamentary privilege to fight the summons. Judy Trin, CTV News, Ottawa. A coroner's inquest into the death of Semia team will begin on November 14th. The 18-year-old died in hospital after being shot by a Toronto police officer on an empty streetcar in 2013. Jurors will be able to make recommendations to help prevent further deaths under similar circumstances. An inquest is mandatory under the Coroner's Act. Constable James Fursilla was sentenced to six years in prison for attempted murder and was granted full parole in 2020. Canada's Competition Bureau is looking into whether the grocery sector is contributing to the fastest growing food prices in 40 years. The inflation rate has dropped from its peak in June, but food costs continue to rise. The watchdog says the grocery sector is concentrated, with many people buying from one of three companies, Loblaw, Metro and Sobeys. The Bureau will make recommendations to the federal government in its final report, expected in June. A 42-year-old former hedge fund boss will be the U.K.'s next prime minister. Rishi Sunak won the Conservative leadership race today. We face a profound economic challenge. We now need stability and unity, and I will make it my utmost priority to bring our party and our country together. The former finance minister is set to become the third British PM in the past seven weeks. He takes over from Liz Truss, who resigned after just 45 days following a mini-budget that caused market chaos. Sunak will also will be asked by King Charles tomorrow to form a government. He will be the UK's first prime minister of colour. Coming up, Election Day isn't the only big event on the calendar today. Families across the GTA are celebrating Diwali. From fireworks to sweets and family, we check in on the festivities.
And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, having your roof repaired can be an expensive job. And now there's a new roofing scam you should know about. A 92-year-old Etobicoke woman just got scammed out of more than $4,000. I can tell you what happened. That story is just ahead. One week until Halloween, and we are sharing your photos leading up to the big day. Here's Rocky dressed up as a pumpkin, and Evan in Mississauga is very excited to go trick-or-treating this year as Batman. Great costumes. We would love to see how your family is enjoying spooky season. Share your photos on social media, and you could see them right here. We've got a first look at the Halloween forecast coming up, and stay with us. Another full night of great shows is coming up here on CTV. Ontario Provincial Police are warning about a roof repair scam that is circulating throughout the province. A 92-year-old Etobicoke woman was defrauded out of more than $4,000. Pat Foran has the details on Consumer Alert. Pat. Nathan and Michelle, having your roof repaired or replaced is a big job and you want to be careful who you hire. Scammers are going door to door saying they're doing roof repairs, but there is no damage and when they get your money, they don't come back. 92-year-old Winifred Davy of Etobicoke has lived in this home for more than 70 years. A month ago, someone came to her door claiming to be a roofer who said he was working in the area and could reshingle her house for $17,000. When Davy said her roof was only four years old, the man then claimed he had drone footage which showed her roof had been damaged by animals. He said the drone showed that there is a big hole in your roof. And your chimney is loose and tippy. The man who wore a safety vest, gloves and work boots said for $4,500 his crew could repair the damage right away. He said because we're coming on to winter and it's going to be blustery and he says that chimney might come right through on you. Davy went to the bank and got $4,500 on a line of credit. After she gave it to the man, he never came back. They're gone. They're gone. The name on the contract is Underwood Roofing and Masonry. The number on the website is out of service. Emails to the company were not returned, and the address led Davy to a post office box. When the man who took the $4,500 didn't come back, Davy asked construction workers working next door if they could check her roof. They did, and they said it was fine. To avoid a roofing scam, beware unsolicited roofing offers, claims your roof is damaged and needs immediate repairs, never pay in advance for work until it's completed, and limit any down payment to 10%. And always research roofing companies before you hire them. Davy says being scammed has been hard on her health. She also has to pay back the bank the $4,500. I have to pay $500 a month for nine months. $500 a month. Isn't that a shame? And the OPP says the scam has been happening in other parts of Ontario and victims are also told a drone found damage on their roof. Never feel pressure to sign a contract or hand over money to anyone who shows up at your door. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Well, after a stellar weekend weather-wise, another day of really gorgeous conditions for this time of year. This is what you can hope for. Yeah, it's just great, especially if you're outdoors, if you're out voting. The weather's great. A great day to get outside. A great excuse to get outside and head to a polling station. In fact, we are going to see our temperature pattern remain for at least the next couple of days. But then things are going to change. Uh, even as early as tomorrow, we will see an increase in cloud cover. And then the wet weather moves in. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand.
it's hard to stop a train. So this weather we've been experiencing, yes, it is warmer than normal. You can see our amplified jet stream uh, has been bringing, helping to bring very mild weather to southern Ontario. Things are going to change as the week progresses. Our jet stream becomes much more zonal, and as a result, we will return to more seasonal values. But today, we climbed all the way to 19 degrees in the city of Toronto. Some communities made it into the 20s. Look at Windsor, 24.4 degrees today. That's the provincial hotspot, and it's certainly warmer than what's considered normal at this time of year. Tonight, this low, not so low, 11 degrees. Uh, that's our normal daytime high, and we're going to experience that at night. Uh, Niagara Falls staying at about 14 degrees overnight tonight, so very mild. Tomorrow, temperatures remain on the mild side, 19 degrees for you in Stratford, 20 in Tilsonburg, 19 in Orangeville, a little bit cooler in Vaughan at 12 degrees. You can expect the temperature to be around 18 in Port Perry and 19 in Halliburton. The big change, a little more in the way of an increase in cloud cover. We right now in southern Ontario are essentially sandwiched between two disturbances. It's the one to our west that's going to swing through over the next couple of days and bring us uh, some wet weather. It's going to increase the winds and then eventually that cold front is going to cool us down a little bit for the end of this work week. Let's set the forecast radar in motion here just to show you what's expected to happen. Tomorrow morning, it's possible that we could wake up to some patchy fog. So just a heads up on that. Uh, there is a, an expected increase in cloud cover during the day. There will still be sunny breaks, but it won't be that perfect blue sky that we have enjoyed at times over the last couple of days. And then Wednesday, maybe in the morning, but what's looking more likely at this point is that midday, some wet weather moves in. Showers are expected during the day and into the evening, but a 60% chance of showers through the overnight hours. Then we dry out again on Thursday. The sunshine returns, but it will be cooler. 13 for the daytime high after about 16 degrees on Wednesday. Friday, cooler still. Daytime high of only about 10 degrees. Uh, we're seasonal over the weekend, and conditions so far look quite nice. Lots of sunshine on Saturday. A mix of sun and cloud on Sunday. There's your first look at our Halloween forecast. That's the weather for now. Michelle, over to you. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, the pleasant weather today also likely playing into big turnouts for Diwali celebrations today. Millions of Sikhs are attending Gurdwaras and Hindus are attending Mandirs as the holiday falls on this election day. CTV's Allison Hurst joins us live from Brampton. And Allison, you've been speaking with people there. Absolutely. I mean, check out the scene behind me. Just hundreds and hundreds of Sikhs have been coming to this Gurdwara as they've been gathering with friends and family, hugging, heading in for prayers and blessings before continuing home for their traditional celebrations. The sweet sights and smells of home. When you will try these sweets, you will like the taste of India. A flavor Manjinder Singh was craving while watching his family gather half a world away. Well, I was watching on the video, so and uh, I was mi missing them a lot. Diwali, known as the Festival of Lights, is a day often marked with a bang, making fireworks a big part of the tradition. Earlier, people used to uh, uh, light up the uh, light up their homes with the lights and the candles and everything. So this is another way. Gangampreet Dhaliwal's store sells them. It's one of four days a year in Brampton. Short-range fireworks are legal. We're anticipating an inversion to set up this evening. Environment Canada has issued an air quality advisory in certain areas of the GTA. Initially, the government agency cited the reasoning due to the firework smoke from Diwali celebrations, but it revised the advisory after pushback from the public, questioning why Environment Canada did not release warnings for other holidays, such as New Year's or Canada Day. 
Now, no mention of Diwali, only that, quote, meteorological conditions can lead to deteriorating air quality. What inversions do is uh, trap the air in the lowest levels of the atmosphere, don't allow a lot of mixing to go on. In the late spring and summer, uh, if inversions do occur, uh, they tend to set up uh, more well into the overnight hours. Diwali also happens to fall on the same day as the municipal election. It's unfortunately, it's on the same day that's on Diwali. It will affect, uh, affect the boat percentage. It should have been moved, yeah, for this, from this area. But Parmpreet Sandhu hopes to cast her ballot. No, not yet, but it's on my list after here. Before sharing treats with friends this Diwali. And just in the last few minutes, we have started to hear some pops from fireworks in this neighborhood. They are allowed in Brampton. According to the bylaws, they need to be short-range fireworks, and they can go off from dusk until 11 p.m. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Allison. Also tonight, the push to get the soon-to-be-elected officials to invest in the arts, making a case for a new culture plan in Toronto. Doctors have been warning that respiratory viruses would be in the spotlight this fall. Tonight, there are signs that the number of cases of a common childhood virus have jumped dramatically. Here's our health reporter, Pauline Chan, to explain. Rebecca St. John's three kids were first diagnosed with respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, in June. And last week, 18-month-old Ashlyn contracted it again. She and middle brother Jackson got it worse. Overnight, he ended up getting a really nasty cough and his fever spiked even more. And he uh, is coughing to the point of throwing up. It was just so bad. We've really seen a, seen a huge uptick in uh, RSV just now, like, like in the last couple of weeks. Dr. Joey Latino says the surge in RSV is a couple of weeks earlier than usual. And in the U.S., hospitals in Texas and Connecticut have been swamped with cases, with one Atlanta hospital setting up a tent for the overflow. RSV is usually mild in older kids and adults. But in those under age two, it can be life-threatening as their tiny breathing passages become clogged. And it can also uh, really affect their ability to feed and stay hydrated. Rebecca says all you can do is treat the symptoms. Keep the air moist, Tylenol, ibuprofen, if you can find it right now. Symptoms to watch for include runny nose, difficulty breathing, coughing, sneezing, decreased appetite and activity. Look for signs of dehydration and labored breathing in particular. Using muscles that you wouldn't normally use to breathe, like your, you know, your accessory muscles up here or in drawing or sucking in under the ribs but also the rate of breathing. Dr. Latino says there is a vaccine in development, but for now, parents should do everything they can to protect against respiratory viruses, including getting the kids flu shots and wearing masks in some cases. Pauline Chan, CTV News. This civic election cycle, there are some core issues voters want addressed, ranging from affordability to transit and community. But there's also one group hoping for some love this time around, especially coming out of the pandemic. Here's CTV's Andrea Case to explain. An arts stats survey conducted in 2019 found 80% of Toronto's artists and arts workers believe they cannot make a living wage. And that's where Toronto Arts Council and Toronto Arts Foundation comes in. Claire Hopkinson says the arts are a fundamental need in the city. We are the lifeblood to their work, to, to practically every arts organization that isn't a commercial operation, but also it's not just the artists that we're investing in, it is the access to that art for the public. Only 
5% of Toronto's total operating budget is spent on arts and culture, and for every dollar invested, it leverages another $15. We have found, through the last two years, mental health, such an important aspect of living together, of being a civil society, of, of this, these stories help um, encourage tolerance and understanding. Having a mayor and a council which supports the arts is important to the survival of the hundreds of arts organizations in the city. Jacoba Knappen is with Toronto Alliance for the Performing Arts. We have to think of it as an investment not as an expense. And after two years, much of which closed theatres, postponed shows and shut down some companies altogether, it'll take a lot of support and funding to bring some audiences back on their feet. Reopening doesn't mean recovery. And we are in the process right now of building new champions, new city councillors at the new city of Toronto that will help us to build a new culture plan. What both organizations say is what the city really needs is a new culture plan. They say the current one is 10 years old. So after the election, they'll be knocking on the doors of the new council to create a new one. Andrea Case, CTV News, Toronto. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Municipal election results tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. Breaking down the big races and issues impacting your bottom line. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. I don't really know why anyone would be apathetic about an opportunity to have an essential role in how your city is managed. Updating our top stories, it's election day in Ontario. People are casting their ballots in municipal races across the province, voting for mayors, councillors and school trustees. I want to work hard for the people, as I have done uh, for the next four years, and work with the council and work with the other governments. In Toronto, John Tory is seeking a third term in office. According to most polls, Gail Penalosa is his main challenger, while 29 other candidates are also vying to be the city's next mayor. And I think we've run a positive campaign over the last uh, uh, two months. I'm hopeful. We've done a fantastic job and our polls look good and we're working hard to get the vote out. Brampton's mayoral race is expected to be tightly contested. Patrick Brown is seeking a second term in office but is facing a challenge from Nikki Kaur, a former planning director for the city. And staying with that race for mayor of Brampton, challenger Nikki Kaur is giving Brown a run for his money. CTV Sean Leethong is at her headquarters tonight to give us a sense of the mood and what we may be able to expect there. Sean. Michelle and Nathan, there really is a sense of life here in the Nikki Core campaign headquarters. Many of the people in here say that they plan to exceed expectations. Now, they've been planning for a party all night. They're hoping this will be the biggest upset of all the municipal elections in and around the GTA. And I'll show you just what they're doing right now with this sense of life. The setup's been ongoing for a while because it's becoming bigger than what they were expecting. If you follow me this way, we're actually inside of what was a former bank, and they've had to make a makeshift stage here. Many family members, many campaign workers all coming in tonight to help out. Now, what we're in right now is the final push, they say, the final push to get people, get their vote out to the polls. Speaking to people within the campaign for Nikki Kaur, they were saying that they feel good because what they're hearing on the ground is many people coming up to them and saying that they have voted for Nikki instead of Patrick Brown. They said that the numbers that have been on the ground, we had heard a Main Street poll uh, recently that had Patrick Brown with 49% of the vote. What the campaign is saying today, that they're hearing something much different. They're hearing people exiting polls saying 
saying that they have voted for Nikki and that the numbers will exceed what they're getting. Another part of this, in conventional elections, the incumbent is often favored if there is a low turnout. Well, turnout. well what they're expecting here is actually a low turnout throughout the GTA, but they say in this case, that actually favors their candidate because they feel that Patrick Brown is a candidate who's plagued by, uh, plagued by scandal, somebody who's plagued by uh, a lot of controversy around him, whereas Nikki Kaur has said that Patrick Brown is somebody who is, quote-unquote, just visiting Brampton. We do know that he had represented Barry in the past, that uh, he had come here before the last election and run for political office and then focused himself on running for the federal leadership of the Conservative Party. She says that him coming back here is a last-ditch effort, whereas Nikki Kaur is a lawyer, someone who lived in the area her entire life and is trying to run Brampton as a city that is her home. So they're hopeful there will be a huge party here tonight. They're hopeful there will be an upset and that this place will be full later with supporters having a victory party. So it's a lot of optimism coming here and uh, they're hoping it will come later on tonight. Reporting live, I'm Sean Lethong. I'll send it back inside. All right, we're going to find out. Thank you, Sean. In business, the Bank of Canada is set to make its next interest rate decision on Wednesday. It's expected to hike its key overnight lending rate by another 75 basis points to 4%. BNM Bloomberg's Jacqueline Hansen has more on what to expect. Variable rate debt holders brace for another hit to your budget. As the Bank of Canada ratchets its key lending rate higher again, commercial banks will quickly pass that on. That means many Canadian consumers and businesses with variable rate loans for mortgages, lines of credit and more will see their borrowing costs go up and likely their budgets squeezed. To an extent, that is the point. The central bank is raising interest rates to try to slow spending and borrowing in hopes that cooling demand will also help cool inflation. But economists increasingly expect it to slow the economy so much as to push Canada into a recession. By the end of this week, Elon Musk may finally own Twitter. Friday is the deadline for him to close the deal and avoid court. Musk spent months trying to get out of it, but Twitter held him to his $44 billion offer, and he eventually gave up on his getaway attempt. Musk recently said he's overpaying for Twitter, but that he's excited by its potential. He reportedly plans to fire three-quarters of Twitter's employees after he takes over. Meanwhile, Beyond Meat, known for its plant-based meat alternatives, is serving up a new option, Beyond Steak. The steak substitute will roll out in the U.S. first. It's not clear yet when it will come to Canada. Investors didn't seem to have an appetite for it, though. Beyond Meat shares fell in trading today. And over the past year, they've fallen nearly 90%. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading down about a third of a cent to a little under 73 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil is down almost 50 cents to about $84 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select is also down almost 40 cents to roughly $58 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX gained about 60 points to 18,918.4. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. Just ahead, still time left to vote, but the clock is ticking. We'll check in with our Austin Delaney as Torontonians decide who they want to lead at City Hall. Is, is your way to, to really make your opinion count? I think if they engage with this thing emotionally, there ought not be any apathy. 
Our top story, people are casting their ballots in municipal elections across the province as candidates get set for the polls to close and all those votes to be counted. Joining us once again for one more look at the race in Toronto is our Austin Delaney. Austin, what are the expectations tonight? Well, we're live here in the Imperial Room of the Royal York Hotel, and this hotel room, this particular room, has a lot of history. John Tory hoping to make history tonight, getting a third mandate as mayor of Toronto. In about an hour's time, this place will fill up with Tory supporters. Uh, they'll wait for the results. When the results are heard, uh, John Tory will come down and speak to his supporters. As I said earlier, uh, this will be history. A third term will make it. Uh, John Tory will be the longest-running magistrate in the history of Toronto. I asked him today uh, if he plans a fourth. He says no. In 12 years, you ought to be able to get a lot done. I'll send it back inside. Thank you, Austin. And a reminder, our election coverage continues online. You can catch all the info you need, including details of a developing story in Hamilton, where voting has been extended at a number of polling stations, meaning election results will be delayed there until all the polls close at 9.20. Head to our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. And CTV News Toronto will also be following the election. Join us at 11.30 tonight for a full wrap of today's events and, of course, the results. But coming up in just a few minutes, CP24 has full coverage of the municipal elections as part of the election night special, Your Vote 2022. That starts at 7 tonight on CP24, cp24.com, and on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. After the last hour ahead of voting for most people, the conditions are lovely tonight. Yeah, it's a really nice night out there. I do want to mention the stagnant air mass that we have going on. Alison Hurst mentioned it in her report, but there is an air quality advisory in effect for parts of the GTA. This is what it looks like. It was issued by Environment Canada. Just to note that pollution levels are going to be elevated in many areas tonight. And because of that stagnant air mass, things not really clearing out all that quickly. So here's a look at the air quality health index. It's considered high for tonight in some parts of the GTA. One more look at the seven-day forecast. A beautiful day today. Tomorrow it's mild once again, but we'll see more in the way of cloud cover. Showers move in for Wednesday. More seasonal values for Thursday and Friday. At this point, it's looking like a pretty good weekend forecast too. Michelle and Nathan. That sounds great. Thank you, Lindsay. And be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.